You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to this week's edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner, here with RKJ, Ron Cop Jr. How are you doing today, Ron? It's a beautiful day. Inching closer and closer to that week one opener against the Browns, man. I, I am super excited, but we got plenty of stuff to talk about besides that. It is a beautiful day. What better could you be doing? What, what can you imagine doing that could be better than talking about Chiefs football? In fact, we're going to throw in some random questions here tonight. Ron, if you weren't covering Chiefs football, what would you be covering? So, yeah, this is interesting because there's there's a lot of different things you can uh, you can cover, you know, a lot of different sports, and, and you can kind of go like a goofy route and, and cover like a like curling or something or something funny. But, no, uh, yeah, if, if, if there was another sport that I'd get into, and nothing, nothing compares to football in terms of like my nerdiness for it and like really like being passionate about it. But basketball, I, I am a basketball fan. I'm a basketball geek. I'm a KU fan. Rock chalk. I'm sure Stags isn't. Yeah, he makes he's making the face now, guys. Don't don't worry, Missouri fans. He's he's he doesn't want to hear it. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm a basketball guy, so I definitely want to cover college basketball. What about you? What do you think? I'm still reeling from having to to talk to uh, to somebody who would say rock chalk on this particular podcast. That's that's pretty frustrating <laughs> to hear uh, as a Mizzou alum. I, that's painful. It's nails on the chalkboard. But if I wasn't talking about the Chiefs, I think I'd probably talk about baseball. Um, big Royals fan, always have been. Even this coming weekend, I'm going to go see the Omaha Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs here in Des Moines and get to oh, see wow. some of the best talent we've seen on a minor league baseball team with the way that Bobby Witt Jr., uh, Nick Prada, and all those guys are playing at Omaha. Uh, I think that's going to be fun. I'm going to a little bit of advanced sc- scouting for uh, next year's Royals team. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, because Bobby Witt is must see must see uh, attendance right now. You know, you got to see him if you get the chance. So uh, he feels yeah. like a generational talent there, and somebody that you're not going to see every week. Um, something we're seeing a lot of this week that I'm pretty sure we're not going to see next week. Uh, this milk crate challenge thing, Ron. Have you tried the uh, stacked up milk crate uh, stair step challenge? I can't say I have. I haven't found enough milk crates. I don't know where everyone's getting all these milk crates from. Are, are stores just like handing them out or something? Where are all these coming from? I haven't seen one of those in a really long time, but they're, the, the they're popping out. The doesn't leave those on your doorstep uh, every week? Unfortunately, no. The milkman, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have a milkman, Sags. This is the 21st century. So You know uh, what? <laughs> they're not a sponsor, but maybe they should be. I'm going to give a, a little shout out to Chateau Milk Company. Oh yeah, I grew up right right near Chateau Milk Farms, and and grew up knowing that family for years. They do adore an old fashioned uh, milk drop at your door. I think they sell other products too. And I saw that they just won a world championship for their root beer flavored milk, which is ridiculously good. So um, if you haven't tried Chateau Milk, I'm sure you have. But uh, that's I grew up about four miles from that farm, so it's a uh, that's always a little bit of loyalty for me. Yeah, no, Chateau was definitely like 
when my mom brought home Chateau, it was like, holy, like, dang, like, you know, this is, this is, you know, it's almost better than like your mom bringing home, like, your, your, you know, uh, a soda or like a fast food, you know, your favorite fast food or something. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't think the root beer flavored milk would actually be good. It just, those things don't really mix together, but I will say, I agree. It was, it was very good. It was, it was surprisingly good. Well, maybe we can get a Chateau Milk sponsored milk crate <laughs> challenge and get Ron on videotape trying to climb up to the top of that pyramid. Dags, what about you? We're not meeting at the top? <laughs> you know, if you want this podcast to continue, you probably don't want me at the top of that pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would I think it would be the epic face plants and and one of the ones that uh, uh, would be funny until you realize how badly I was injured. Yeah, it'd be funny until uh, you're in the hospital. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, let, let's get to the, the people's questions. Uh, they brought a lot of good ones this week. A lot of them focused, again, around the wide receiver position, which is a really fun one to watch in preseason. So I don't blame everybody for talking wide receivers. We've seen a lot of movement at that position over the preseason, over the last couple of games. So the first question uh, from Alex Guerrero, 55, on Twitter, uh, why hasn't Fountain played first team reps, even though it looks like he's having an amazing preseason. So uh, is it, is it Defo? Is that the, is that the uh, expression now? Like Debo? Cause he looks like. Yeah, I, I get, I, I think our guy Alex here is making that up. Cause I have never, I've not seen anyone else make that. Uh, I've, that I've heard him seen it a couple other places, but uh, he, he's wearing 82. He's playing like a young Dwayne bow. Uh, what do you think of fountain so far? Yeah, no, you're right. He, he, he does actually kind of play like Dwayne Bow a little bit in terms of he's a bigger body that that can move pretty well uh you saw on a on a slant route uh, against the Cardinals really good route off, release off the line and then a really strong catch when he got popped after and, and I saw you tweet about that uh saying you know you don't see backup receivers make that make that catch a lot you know getting popped like that uh you know from the, from a linebacker too so the one thing about him, uh, you know, the first team reps thing is just there's so many guys, so many receivers on this team, guys like Robinson, Hardman, Pringle. I mean, you, you can only have so many receivers on the field at once, especially in the preseason when you're doing a lot of base formations. He's not going to play over those guys. They got, those guys still need their their reps uh, when the regular season comes around. But he's the first receiver besides, you know, the the starters, the guys you see on the first team that comes into the game. And he actually was playing on the on the drive that Henny took over for Mahomes, where the uh, the rest of the offensive line was still in the starters. So Fountain does get those those high reps in terms of you know he's he's the highest receiver on the depth chart after the starters. It seems like him or Kemp, but it seems like Fountain's kind of getting that benefit of the doubt right now. And man, he's playing really well, man. I I, I think he's a guy that it, it's going to be hard to kind of say bye to, and it's probably not going to he's probably not going to make it to the practice squad if you cut him especially because he has played a couple of years. So I don't even know if he'd be eligible depending on how that looks, but yeah, he's a guy that I'm going to say, I'm going to be sad to see, to see go if he does go, but we'll see about that. Yeah. And just to clarify the point you made um, was that you don't see a lot of backup wide receivers making catches like fountain made the one specifically where he took a hit, held on to the ball, caught it in traffic. And then not too long later, caught one over the shoulder for the, for the big gain of the day. I actually said you don't see Chiefs backup wide receivers making that play very often because there may be other teams in the league that have seen their backup receivers perform in that way in a game. But I think in Kansas City, we've been really blessed with top-end talent with with Tyreek Hill and really not a whole lot else after that. Not that I don't think Sammy Watkins could have made that play if he were on the field. Uh, that's a big if. 
the rest of the receivers really haven't stepped into that type of role. And so he's certainly doing some of the things that you would want to see out of your X receiver. And I think he's made as strong a case as anybody for the roster at the receiver position. You know, I think he's done a lot of it against second and third team. Uh, He's done a lot of it with second and third team uh, offense around him. Like you said, he's taken some first, first team snaps as well. So I think he's been impressive. Um, I don't think he's passing up Byron Pringle or McCall Hardman uh, on the depth chart anytime soon, but I think he's got a real shot at the 53. Yeah. And, and, and just real quick, I, I do want to shout out Byron Pringle because I, I do think he could make that catch. I do think he counts as a chief's backup receiver that could make that catch. Uh, just, it comes to mind, but against the Lions a few years ago, uh, the game-winning drive, he actually had a, a catch kind of similar where he caught it, got slammed, but he actually just held on the ball and actually didn't go down. He actually just kept running afterwards. So I got to give Byron a little credit on that. But moving on, because we're still talking about Fountain, but if Fountain was to make the team, there's obviously got to be someone that doesn't, right? And, and, and is there a surprise cut? So our guy Kale, at Real Kale Clark on Twitter, asked what receiver could be a surprise cut due to Fountain looking great so far. Matt, who are you thinking could be that guy? You know, this is a tough one. I think the Chiefs probably still try to keep six wide receivers. And if that's the case, you start off with Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, obviously. Um, In this scenario, if Fountain makes the roster, that's three. You've got Byron Pringle, who's a given. That's four, which leaves uh, Demarcus Robinson, Cornell Powell, Marcus Kemp, and the field, several other guys competing for the last couple jobs. It would be a surprise, but I could see a scenario where Demarcus Robinson ends up being the odd man out. He's been sort of a reliable option. He's low cost. He's a veteran. He does the dirty work. I don't want to be too negative on what Robinson brings to the team. He does play special teams. He's a good gunner. He does block. He does a lot of those things that you want out of your receiver, and he still has some speed. Uh, But if you look at this depth chart, McColl's not going anywhere. Hill's not going anywhere. Pringle's not going anywhere. So you've got three that I would say are stone cold blocks. And then you've got a draft pick from this year, which would be pretty difficult to cut. You've got Marcus Kemp, who has been a special teams mainstay and has had a great preseason. You know, just because he didn't make a lot of plays in the games this last couple of weeks doesn't take away from the fact that he's done everything right in camp so far. Um, And he's a player that Dave Taub loves. Dave Taub made some comments about Demarcus Robinson today that maybe aren't quite this on the same level. So uh, Amy Jackson, Amy1167 on Twitter asked about the flaws for Demarcus Robinson. So I'm going to put Robinson as I'm going to put him on the bubble. And I'm going to say he's a theoretical cut in this scenario. If you're adding fountain in and you have to cut somebody um, maybe Robinson's that guy, and maybe it's because of Dave Tobe's comments, or not just his comments, but his opinion on what he brings to the field. So I know you were paying attention to, to Taub's presser earlier, Ron. Did, did that strike you as a, as a guy who might get cut? Well, yeah, the, the thing is that you don't hear coaches be like openly publicly negative about players. A lot of times they'll just kind of, you know, uh, say something bland if, if they are feeling negative about a certain player. But Tobe, yeah, he's the assistant head coach, too. He's not just a special teams coordinator. So he does have some say on this kind of stuff. And 
yeah, he went a, he went ahead and said, you know, Robinson, you know, he he drives him nuts. He he wants any those were his words. Those were his exact words. Uh, he wants to see him tuck in the ball a little better. Which he's talking about him as a punt returner. But let's be honest. I mean, that's him as a receiver too. How, how many times do we see Robinson catch a pass and immediately like bring it out like he's a quarterback running pitch option? I mean, I I don't understand it. I don't. It, you know, it's been four or five years in the league now. You'd think he'd be able to to tuck a ball in by now. Um, and, and I do think the other part of this, too, is that Byron Pringle has had a really impressive preseason. I think he's been a really good player for the Chiefs. He has been his entire career just in a role. But, you know, this preseason, he's made a lot of good catches. I highlighted one this this morning on Twitter, actually, of Mahomes. You know, he kind of sailed the pass on him and Pringle outstretched and brought it in really well. You know, you don't see a lot of a lot of Chiefs receivers bring in those type of passes if they're not, you know, if they're not in their range. So. Yeah, I think Pringles had a really good uh, preseason as well. And that's actually kind of maybe solidified. Maybe the Chiefs think, hey, you know, the whole reason we have Robinson is that we trust him to be that wide receiver too, uh, you know, in certain situations, obviously, uh, you know, kind of be that outside guy that you can rely on. But if, if you can rely on Pringle, you know, maybe and, and maybe Fountain, obviously Fountain kind of emerging as well, you know, maybe they don't feel the need to keep Robinson around. Hey, he hasn't, they've re-signed in the past two off seasons. But it's not like, you know, they, they could have extended him or re-signed him before, you know, like it, that could have happened. And and they and they still just kind of go season by season. So he, he's very cuttable for sure. I mean, it, it's 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 absolutely like, you know, it, it's it's feasible, I guess, uh, money wise for the Chiefs to cut him. They haven't committed to Robinson. He's been a good role player for him, but certainly not someone that is beyond, you know, the, the bubble is someone that's that is irreplaceable. So I think Fountain really has a good shot at their 53. I don't know for sure that Robinson is going to be the guy that they cut, but uh, Little Boa6624 on Twitter asked, we haven't heard anything from Cornell Powell. Is it possible he's the guy that gets cut for Fountain making the roster? Yeah, that's tough because you're, you're, you said it before, but man, a, a fifth-round pick, a, a fifth-round pick you use this season, especially w- with – with I think they've kind of hyped him up a little bit, uh, maybe not as much as some of the other guys. You know, you hear Noah Gray and, and the coaching staff drool over him, but with Powell, you know, he's 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 a guy that wasn't a super big prospect going into the draft anyway, and really hasn't showed anything in training camp. He's actually had some drop problems. It it sounds like uh, I've seen it myself, but it sounds like uh, it's it's happened. Uh, you know, not just the one day I was there; uh, it's been happening a few times. So. That that is the place where maybe because Fountain was a fifth round pick two years ago, and he wasn't the Chiefs' fifth round pick, obviously. And so that you know that's the difference there. The Chiefs don't want to waste their own fifth round pick, but at the same time, if Fountain is a similar talent as Powell, or maybe you know maybe a little better, and he's got a couple years of experience under him uh, compared to Powell, maybe that's how they justify it, saying, "Hey, we just wanted a young receiver, a, a guy that's kind of a bigger target. Uh, we just wanted another guy depth piece that we can develop, and you know." just because fountain fountain was a couple years ago, fifth round pick and Powell was this year's, maybe they say, you know, we just need someone and fountain seems like to be the better guy. So we're just going to move on with it. So, yeah, I, I think there's a possibility, but I'd lean towards the fact that he is a fifth round pick. It's only his first preseason. It's really hard for receivers to kind of get the offense down, you know, in their first off season, although it's fountains first off season too, but yeah, I'll, I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Powell that that won't happen. But I, I, I do see a way they can justify it if it does. Yeah, just imagine in a parallel universe that it was 
Cornell Powell doing exactly what Doris Fountain has done in this preseason. If it was Cornell Powell that was leading the team and receiving yards, that was making the tough catch over the middle, that was making the long catch uh, as well, we'd be pretty excited about where Powell was in his development. It hasn't been Powell. Not to say that he can't come around, not to say that he's, you know, behind the curve or anything. But if you listen to the comments uh, from the coaches, they talk about how Fountain has done everything he can, you know, to, to be successful. He's put himself in, in position to make the roster. And then they talk about Powell. And to your point earlier, they don't intentionally say anything negative about their players generally, right? I, I remember a comment about, I think it was last week, where they said Cornell Powell is a, he's a great kid. He's got a great heart or great attitude. You know what I mean? Like that's like saying she's got a great personality, right? It's not, <laughs> it's not really a compliment the, the way that they say that. So I think there is some concern about Powell. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think they've given up on him yet and I don't think they want to give up on him. So I think the odds are that he'll make the roster and I think Fountain probably will also um, but that does make it a really crowded room. To my point earlier, something may have to give, and maybe it's Robinson. Um, you'd probably be in better shape for this season if they cut Powell and kept these other guys. But for future seasons and for for the you know the long term development of this team, giving up on Powell too soon, you know, would would be a setback. It's a guy that you've got under a rookie contract, you know, in Kansas City that is. Um, under team control and cost controlled and they've got that investment made in him I think it's in the team's best interest to make sure that Powell has every chance to succeed but he may do so as a game day inactive for a lot of the time this year so you may not see a big contribution from him but I think he's on the roster yeah I agree I I do think it's a good point you made though Uh, imagine how we would be feeling if Powell was was doing what Fountain is doing right now. I mean, man, we'd be anointing him to be playing over, you know, to to be playing over Robinson and maybe not Pringle, but (laughs) he would all of a sudden become uh, the fan favorite and and a guy that everyone is clamoring, just like Pringle's been the last couple of years. Everyone's been clamoring to see him more on the offense. Um, Yeah, so moving on, though, I, I do think there's some other receiving topics that are important in this receiving room. And one guy that, you know, we, we want to see take a step forward. And, you know, it, it's been kind of a weird preseason for him. But McCole Hardman uh, is the topic. And, and Sketchy, at Sketchy Steven on Twitter, asks this question. With this previous game, McCole had some ga- good plays with Henny but was lacking with Mahomes. Do you think they are struggling building chemistry with one another? Does this make it hard for him to stay out, stay out, stay our clear wide receiver, too? I think it's a good question, Stags. What do you think about it? All right. Well, first about McColl. He's certainly made some mistakes, and the, he was clearly not on the same page with Mahomes. Ron, I think you were just doing some film breakdown on some of those plays to see what happened with the misses that happened in, in this last game between McColl and Mahomes. And I, I think they both commented it on that in the media as well. So so before I get too far ahead of myself, what did you see with the miscommunication in this last in this last game? Is it an isolated thing or is this a big problem? Well, that's the problem is that we've seen it these last two years. It's kind of like it's 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 notable. It's noticeable. And I do not recall feeling like I see it a lot with any other receiver in Mahomes. No matter, you know, these four years we've seen Mahomes start or three years. I, I don't remember it ever being an issue with any other receiver, but it seems like it always comes back 
you see the camera point to Mahomes after the incompletion and Mahomes is looking downfield, you know, moving his arms or doing something kind of signaling like, Hey, you need to do this or you need to do that. And then in this last preseason, there was like three instances of that. We saw it on an end zone target. We also saw it on an out route where on the sideline, the ball just falls to the ground and Ardman's looking around like he didn't see it. Mahomes looked really annoyed after that one. I, I will, I will say, cause they, they do a really good job at, at coming back and he kind of just, you know the camera coming back to Mahomes and he just looks you know annoyed and then he was yelling at him after another play where it actually wasn't targeted towards him but maybe he was supposed he wanted to target him but since the route wasn't right he didn't you know so it is a problem and, and it's something that I really wanted to see not happen this year and that I think was the biggest indicator for me whether Hardman was taking that step this year if those things weren't happening but man in a preseason game it's still happening in his third year I truly do think it's a it's an issue and it's happened in both preseason games. I know it was just one target last week, but it didn't seem like McColl ran that that crossing route the way he should have or, or continued the route the way he should have or wasn't expecting the ball when Mahomes was throwing it. So I do see that as being an issue. Now, does that mean that McColl is somehow on the bubble? No. It doesn't mean that he is not the team's number two wide receiver. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. But McColl is a player that to date in his career, they've had to manufacture his touches. And they have been committed to doing so. Watch last season, those scripted plays at the beginning of each game. There are always scripted targets for for Mahomes to throw to McColl. It happens Every single week, it's happened dramatically in this last week in the preseason game when Tyreek Hill was out. I think McColl not only got his own scripted plays, but he got Tyreek's as well. This team is invested in making sure that McColl Hardman succeeds. And they're going to feed him the ball in whatever way they have to feed him the ball to make him a successful part of this offense. So I think any questions about his standing with the team – the team is going to give him every opportunity to succeed. And even when he fails, he's going to get just as many, if not more opportunities to make up for it. He's not going anywhere. His targets are not going anywhere. And in fact, he'll be productive. He was, he's been productive throughout his career. It's the issue that people have with it is they want to see him be on the same development path that Tyreek Hill went on where Tyreek Tyreek came in the, league as a kick returner and a running back that learned how to be a number one wide receiver, runs every route, gets separation, out jumps everybody to the ball. Tyreek is a unicorn, not only in his speed and quickness, but in the way that he's developed and as fast as he's developed in this offense. You cannot put that expectation on on McColl. McColl is probably what he is, and that is the second fastest player on this team and maybe in the league and somebody that can make dynamic plays when they get him the ball in space. And they're going to keep doing that. So I'm getting off my milk crate or soapbox or whatever we're talking on today, Ron. McColl is McColl. He's fine. He needs to be better in these communication uh, issues with Mahomes. They're going to give him every opportunity to work through that. Now, is he the number two wide receiver is a totally different question. Yeah, because it, it, this team has used a number two wide receiver in Sammy Watkins over the last two years, but 
we've we know this team has quality you know we've talked about pringle and, and we've talked about this you know fountain obviously but there's quality depth on this team there's quality receivers on this team besides tyree kill you know maybe not starting quality maybe not guys that other teams are wanting on their team but guys that know the offense will catch the pass you know and mahomes is always going to make receivers look a little better than they are and i do want to say real quick on mccall it was kind of nice to see him the henny touchdown pass where McColl adjusts to the ball in the air, makes a great catch right before it hits the turf with his fingertips. You know, that's really good to see because that is going away from a play being designed for him. You know, he had to make that play himself. It was going to be an incomplete pass, and he made the adjustment to make the touchdown catch. But it's got to happen more, and, and it's got to happen in, in, in game, you know, real game situations. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but that that particular play, you know, it was a great catch, but, you know, it wasn't – you know, once he reacted, it's not like it's he like jumped over a receiver or he, you know, it, it was a great catch. But we, I'd like to see it in more instances that he makes his own play. He adjusts to the ball. He's got strong hands. He can pull the ball in. I think it's really just about being in the right place at the right time. And he made some plays like that last year. Nicole had that two-point conversion where Mahomes somehow got the ball through traffic uh, to McColl and, and he made a – you know, a really difficult catch on the and play on the ball. So it's not that he can't do that part. It's really just about can he get to where Mahomes is expecting him to be? And if not, you know, then he's going to continue to have this role as manufactured touches. And they're, like you said, Byron Pringle has his role. There's going to be other receivers and other players on this team that have their roles. And so once again, Number two wide receiver, I'm doing it in air quotes again because it doesn't matter. What matters is do they have guys, plural, that can get open and make plays and be where Mahomes wants them to be after Hill. In addition to Hill and Kelsey, if those guys get taken away, you've got to have multiple players ready to step up and make plays to get open, get where they're supposed to be, and catch the ball. I don't care if it's four guys splitting the number two wide receiver role or it's one elite number two wide receiver. That doesn't matter. It's all about a collection of talent and depth at that position. And I think the Chiefs have put together enough young receivers that they don't have to have a standout number two second target at all times. It can, they can spread the ball around. So I think I know the answer to this que- this next question then for you. Um for for Matt for Maddie Moves Metal at Maddie Low 85 on Twitter. He he acknowledges that there's a glaring weakness at that wide receiver two spot or at least he believes there is. I know you know we're talking about the fact that we don't even think there needs to be a wide receiver two role. But he can't help but think about it, would adding a veteran presence like a Golden Tate or a Larry Fitzgerald be beneficial for the young receiving core? Is you got is there any more you can expand on that? Because I think you kind of just answered this question in your last answer with the fact that there is this good young group of receivers, but uh, let me know if you, if you have anything else. You know, I think some of this has come up recently because Golden Tate was on social media um, sort of raising his hand when, when somebody was asking about bringing in a veteran for this wide receiving group. You really saw this whole thing play out in that same preseason game. This last week, everybody was on Twitter saying, Chiefs need a number two wide receiver. They cannot go in the, into the season with this group. And then all of a sudden, 
McColl makes a play, Pringle makes a play, Fountain makes some plays, Fordson comes in and makes some plays, and then everybody all of a sudden is like, okay, we're good. You know what I mean? It's, it's this roller coaster that we're on. And so I think for at least half of that game, plus some time on social media, people were, were wondering, could one of these veterans still be a late addition? I don't see it. I don't think the team's seeing it that way. I think they're trying to shuffle the the seats and, and making sure that there's enough um, of this young talent that they're able to keep on the roster. I'm not sure that there's any interest in bringing in somebody at the tail end of their career to somehow be this mythical wide receiver two in this offense from day one. I think they like the players they have. And the real question is how many of them can they keep? Yeah. And, and Larry Fitzgerald's already said he doesn't, he doesn't really feel like he is in a good place to play right now, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I real quick, I'll just say, yeah, I, I, I would rather just go with the young receivers and, and, and the other thing we got to realize is most teams don't have a tight end that is considered their wide receiver too, you know? So this wide receiver two thing for team for other teams is different because it's actually their second receiving target for the chiefs. It's actually their third receiving target. And sometimes honestly, their fourth, depending on how much they get Clyde involved in the passing game. Yeah. Well put Ron. I think that's a great time to take a break. Let our sponsors have their time. We've talked about wide receivers and milk crates the whole first half. Uh, we'll get to the defense right after this break with more of your questions on the out of structure podcast. And we're back. Thanks for hanging with us on the Outer Structure Podcast. Ron Cop Jr. and Matt Sagner, we're here taking your questions. We're going to move on to the defense. And Jake Wilson, at Jake for now, perennial question answerer, good friend of ours, asked, Chris Jones continues to showcase his game-wrecking athleticism in preseason snaps. Are we too low on Sac Nation? Are our expectations too low for this defense? Our expectation, I don't know if I'd say our expectations are too low as a community, right? I mean, I think, especially now that the preseason games have happened, I think everyone's starting to maybe get a little too high on this pass rush, which Spags actually today in his press conference kind of threw a little cold water on it saying, hey, look, it's it, they don't count. You know, it's not the, the regular season. I'm not going to get excited about something that doesn't count. But at the same time, man, Chris Jones are having two sacks and what, like, 20 30 total snaps I mean and, and one from the defensive tackle position one from the defensive end position I guess he's probably played more than 30 snaps but that, that it is exciting to see Jones uh playing well at defensive end and that's that's like we've talked about all season that's really going to open a lot of things up for everyone else and then they still want to put him in the interior on third down and that's where he is in an all pro elite player almost unstoppable and so if you get the best of both worlds in that scenario where Chris Jones is a dominant edge defender and interior def- defensive lineman, man, oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we should have high expectations for the sack, for sack Nation, but it just seems like we're getting to that point now. I, I, it doesn't seem like anyone's kind of sleeping on this defensive line anymore. Not at all. If you had to put a number on it, Ryan, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What's Chris Jones' sack total for the season? I think he has sets a career high. I think it's more than 15 and a half. Okay. I saw Pete actually tweet 20 today. Shout out Pete Sweeney. I don't know if he'll get there. I, I think 20 is a lot. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say 17 sacks for Chris Jones this year. So one per game in the regular season is probably a pretty good place to start. Of those 17, how many come from defensive tackle and how many come from the edge? 
I'd say I'd say most of them come from defensive tackle because I think third down and and I don't think it'll just be third downs. I don't think it'll just be any passing situation. So if it's second and long, too, I think they might put him inside, too. So I think he's really going to be set up to get his sacks from the interior. But, I, you know, he's going to get sacks from defensive end, too. I just I would definitely say even if he plays more defensive end total than defensive tackle, I still think more of his sacks come from defensive tackle. So something like 12 on the interior. Five on the outside. Yeah, there you go. I, yeah, 10 and 7, 11 and 6, something, you know, something in that range. Well, that's our expectations for Chris Jones and Sack Nation. You tell us if we're being too mild or too high on them. I think there's a the sky's the limit for Chris Jones and for this defense this year. It really feels like they're coming together at all levels of the defense, not just Chris Jones, but the interior defensive line has been great. The linebacking core has improved. The corners have been great. The safety is improving, I think. And so when you're improving at all levels, I think the expectation is that this is a better defense than last year, maybe better than what they had in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl. So it's an exciting time for the Chiefs defense to to really get their moment to shine and to see if they can hold up their end of the bargain, if not more, as compared to the Chiefs offense this year. Well, good lead-in because the second half of Jake's question, because Jake always asks multiple questions, if we know one thing about Jake, uh, he notes that the preseason defense is notoriously bland. But what happens when Chef Spags takes vanilla off of the menu and turns up the heat? And then also I, I, uh, Thomas Ramirez had another question about if we think the defense can be top 10 this year. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's an interesting, interesting point, is that the defense is looking really good already. And obviously preseason, but we played starting off, you know, the Chiefs have played starting offenses. The Cardinals were a really good offense last year and and they had their starters in. If the can the defense be top 10 this year and how effective or how much better can they be than what we've already seen in the preseason? Well, what is your measure of top 10? Are we talking about yards per game, points per game? You know, I think usually when people say top 10, generally they just mean points like scoring. I would, I would think, you know, I think the Chiefs have been. Somewhere outside of that top 10, obviously, probably they were somewhere around 20th last year, if I remember correctly. Um, And then if you go back to 2019, they were a little bit better than they were last year. So there's certainly an opportunity for them to improve and to be a top 10 defense. I don't think it's a stretch at all. I think they were on the verge of a top 10 defense back in 2019. Um, before the dip that they had last year. And they've had an infusion of young talent on this defensive front, especially. And knock on wood, if the cornerback room is what we think it is, then all of a sudden what used to be the biggest weakness on this team with DeAndre Baker and Mike Hughes both apparently panning out right now, along with Legereus Need becoming a a Pro Bowl, all-pro level talent, you know, the expectations for this defense should be top 10 and and maybe, I hate to say top five, but but maybe top five. Yeah, I think you made a good point about 2019 because actually towards, the you know, after I think it was what, like week six or seven or eight, sometime they kind of turned it on. It, it was that Denver game when Mahomes got hurt is kind of I think when they, they all say that they kind of turned it on. Um, and well, actually, I guess probably after the Titans game when they gave up all those points. Anyway, my point being, is that they probably were top 10, top 8-ish defense towards the end of that year. I mean, in the playoffs and everything. I mean, I 
you ask NFL people, I guarantee you they they say that you know the Chiefs defense during that run was one of the better ones. And that was with new players all over the field. That was the first year a lot of them are on the field. You got uh linebackers, I mean, they were not, you know, we we've had problems with them the last three years, but they got better last year and, and 2019 was when they were probably at their worst, uh, you know, with Hitchens and, and Damian Wilson both new to the defense. Um yeah, I, I think every position group has improved since that Super Bowl run, I would say. Uh, you know, maybe not safety because, you know, Sorensen, two years younger, Thornhill before the end. Well, Thornhill wasn't on that defense, I guess, towards the end of the year. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I I, I think there's every reason to believe this team, this team can be a top 10 defense, if not more. I, I, I don't think I don't think there's any reason to say they can't. Now, it just depends on, you know, the rest of the defense. If there's a lot of good defenses in the league, then that's one thing and, and they're not top 10. But. Yeah, I, I think they have every reason talent-wise that they could. A lot of things go into what makes a top 10 defense. But in terms of scoring, they do a pretty decent job over the last couple of years. And so I expect that to continue and improve. They might improve in some other categories, even with some turnover in the sack department or in the, in the pass rush department. Yeah, Chiefs smash forever at Chiefs underscore mash 85 on Twitter. He asked the question of the day. Surprised we we uh, didn't get to it till then, till now, but we kind of talked about defense, uh, you know, second half of the pod. But Taco Charlton has been cut, and so now that Taco has been cut, is Tim Ward a shoe in? That's kind of the natural reaction I feel feel like from Chiefs Kingdom uh, to see a guy like Charlton cut. You know, it, it must be because Ward, right? Because Ward's had a pretty good preseason. He's and and Chiefs Match Forever notes that by saying he's definitely shown some more moves so far and will be cheap contract, which is nice. Stags, is that the – or should we just set it in stone? Is, is Tim Ward on this team now? I'm not sure I'd put it in stone. I, it's in pencil for me so far, not in pen, I guess, if I'm writing it down on paper. I think Tim Ward has had a very good preseason. He's looked like he's taken, you know, a step forward. He also looked good last season whenever he was in unlimited reps uh, in that Week 17 matchup. He's definitely a player they like and that has some talent that they're going to want to keep around. So the chances are probably more than 50% now that Tim Ward makes this roster, but I don't know that it's hundred percent set in stone because, you know, on one hand, the team came out and said they were able to let Taco Charlton go because some of the young players have stepped up and maybe that was a little bit unexpected to me. I think they're talking somewhat about Ward, but also maybe about Josh Kando. If he's closer to contributing than they thought, then all of a sudden you've got, uh, some depth there in the in the youth department that can make a difference. But I think they're also talking about Mike Dana and the fact that Dana has just been playing his ass off at, at the edge position. That guy has made a case for a lot of reps this season. So if you start looking at the not just the depth chart, not just the roster, but at the opportunity to get on the field and to make a difference, Mike Dana has earned a lot of reps. Frank Clark, when healthy, is going to be out there. Chris Jones is going to be out there. There just weren't the reps probably to go around, the snaps to go around for for a guy like Taco Charlton, who was a specialist and probably not going to be a starter. So I think that they were pretty content with Mike Dana. I think they're probably ahead of where they thought they would be with Josh Kando. And so Tim Ward is a player who has – impressed in the preseason is likely to be on the roster now 
But there's there's at least one or two players that could keep him off of it, aren't there, Ron? Yeah, I think it's interesting to know. Simone Harris has, has been a, a, a solid part of the first. He, he actually was the first defensive end in the game against San Francisco, the first preseason game, um, when they did put Jones inside. And I know Frank Clark wasn't playing that game. But, yeah, it was Dana and Demone Harris. And I, and I, I don't think Okafor played that game either, so maybe that had something to do with it because Okafor was the first defensive end in the game against the Cardinals. But, yeah, I do think Demone Harris, he was with the team during the 2019 Super Bowl run. Um, you know, he, he, he played actually pretty well as a, as a role player. And, and he's still kind of young. You know, he's not, he's not super old or anything. So maybe there is something to his veteran, you know, presence with all these other young guys. Maybe they feel like they need to keep him around. And, and maybe he's, a, you know, maybe a way that Ward doesn't make the team. But I, I, I have to say, I, I think Ward is, is the guy. And I think, I think they're really excited about him. I think every opportunity he's had to show he's, he's a good player. He's shown he's a good player. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's a guy that'll be a, a, on the team. And, you know, one of those guys that if they get injured all of a sudden and, and has to step up, he, he might flash and, and might, you know, uh, really show something. I think he's shown it so far in preseason in week 17. But obviously we need to see it in a real uh, game now. I think we touched on this last week in saying that uh, a guy like Alex Oakford could be back on the roster bubble when you have a veteran like he is, who's brought on a one-year deal and he's had trouble staying healthy already this preseason, he may not be a lock for the roster. And again, if, if the team is talking about youth at this position, that's not Okafor. You know, it, it's, it's got to be Kando, Dana, you know, and Ward that they're talking about. So I'm not sure that Alex Okafor is a hundred percent lock for this roster. When you get down to the, the nitty gritty of the, first 53 man roster and you've got to make your cuts. You got to get to 53. And there's this rule about going on IR. If you have a player who's injured, but they're going to make it back at some point in the season, you have to keep them on the initial 53. And then you can put them on IR with the ability for them to return three weeks later, as opposed to missing the whole season. Alex Okafor is a player that is injured that they probably do want to keep around, but they're not sure when he'll be ready. Maybe he's a candidate for somebody that makes the initial 53 and then goes on IR to return later. Or the other side of that equation is if you've got somebody that you have to carry through the 53 only to, to move them onto the IR to get to 53, you have to cut somebody. And if it's a young player that might get claimed through waivers um, that carries a little bit more risk. If it's a veteran player that doesn't pass through waivers and they would have the ability to re-sign them at any time, they might be more likely to cut them as well. So I could see Okafor being a guy that they keep on and then put on IR or that they release until they put somebody else on IR and then they can bring Okafor back without any risk of another team claiming them. Yeah, and maybe in that same vein, maybe they can, maybe they think they can get away with that with a guy like Demone Harris. If if Okafor is going to go on the IR, maybe Demone Harris is a guy they can cut because he is a veteran guy. You know, he's not a, he's not, he's not, he doesn't wasn't drafted this year. He's been in the league four years, I want to say, off the top of my head. And so, yeah, he is a guy that maybe the other teams just kind of, you know, aren't going to like anyway. So yeah, you can cut him and then bring him back uh, as depth when Okafor goes on IR. It's a really interesting point, I think. Uh, you know, we, they're going to play games with that IR spot, I think. So we were talking a lot about um, Taco Charlton there. I know I brought in Alex Okafor in that same conversation. 
in theory, they could always re-sign Taco back if they if they needed depth and he doesn't get picked up by somebody else and he's healthy. They've definitely done that with Demoni Harris in the past. He's a player that's been on and off of this roster over the last couple of years. So I think they would have some comfort level that he would still be available where maybe a younger player like Tim Ward wouldn't be. So I've almost talked myself into be, this being a, a lock uh, or close to a lock for Tim Ward. Uh, it's not 100%, but you know, with all of the other flexibility around Tim Ward, there's a better chance that they keep him and, and make some moves with some of the veterans. Now, another move that was made in roster cutdowns, uh, Mitch at Lloyd Vance 86 on Twitter asked, what downside did you see with Will Parks as compared to the other safety players who were on the roster bubble? Was it special teams? What was it that kept Will Parks from distinguishing himself and making the roster? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I thought Will Parks actually played pretty well in that first preseason game. I didn't really see him in the second one much, but first preseason game, he was flying to the ball. He got that really dumb penalty uh, for blocking low, even though he's on defense. I, I still don't really quite get why they keep calling it a block, but uh, he, he, in my opinion, that's exactly how you should play it as a safety, and and so that was good. But yeah, there there must come to you know the, they like they must like Key and Watts enough to to keep them around because you know if you're gonna have five safeties max, and if you want Watts and Key, you're gonna have to keep them both, uh, obviously, and. And that's 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 it. You know, you don't have any more room for for other safeties. You're not keeping six safeties. But I, I do think another good point, and you actually brought this up to me, and and I didn't even think about it. But he is a he is a veteran, Will Parks, and I do think there is something to these NFL teams. If they know a veteran is not going to make the team, you know, they're going to help him out and they're going to get him out there so he can get to with another team and get acclimated better than if he got cut next week. You know, it gives him another week to kind of get things together and get on another team. So I think there's always something to that. And and even if he was playing well, like I said, maybe they just have their five safeties. They know who they like. They know who they got. It's just like, hey, you know, we'll give you an extra week to, to get going. So. I, I don't think it was anything about I, I and special teams probably does factor into this because I don't think as a veteran he was playing much special teams compared to guys like Key and Watts, and so that probably is a lot to do with this. But at the same time, I think I think it's it, it wasn't necessarily Park's play on defense or anything or anything he showed. It must just be that these young safeties that they have they just kind of prefer. Yeah, I liked Will Parks. And I, th- I thought he had a real good shot at making this roster. The fact that he was cut at this point in the cutdown process to me does speak to the fact that he's a, a veteran and they want to give him a chance to catch on somewhere else, which probably leads me to believe that he won't be back. He's a versatile player. He has played special teams in the past. So there's no logical reason why he wouldn't make the roster. I think it does speak to the success of Devin Key, that he is a player that is likely uh, – one step closer to making the roster and Armani Watts, who's been on the roster the last couple of years, those guys over, over parks when it comes to that position is probably what led to them letting him go early. Sticking at the safety position, aim down sites on Twitter ask, is there a chance that Juan Thornhill is back to starting over Daniel Sorensen at some point? Yeah, we can make this one quick because there's absolutely a chance. I mean, and and he and at some point he probably needs to if he's going to you know be with this team long term. It it really doesn't I'm I'm surprised that it didn't start out that way in camp, but obviously, you know, there's some injury stuff that he still needs to recover from and everything, I guess, and and you know, we've we've seen it he has had some 
you know, some bad reps. I, I, the Cardinals game, he was really good, and he had that really good interception, and maybe that starts to vault him into the starting lineup. But, yeah, there's, there's absolutely a chance that he is, he's, he's over Sorensen by week one, if not just a little later in the, week, in the season. Now, they, they did just come out today and mention um, sorry, Juan Thornhill and the fact that he is working his way back, working his way into to where he needs to be, and they've given him purposefully given him extra snaps throughout this preseason. That leads me to believe that maybe this question is is moot because maybe Juan Thornhill is the starter all along, uh, but they've just been giving him more reps on more levels of this team uh, just to get him back into where he needs to be. Sorensen may may have always been the third safety, even if we saw him getting the starters reps in camp or in preseason game, maybe that doesn't speak to where he actually is on this roster. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and someone like Sorensen who isn't going to play, you know, in those third safety types, he's a box safety. And so maybe that, you know, Hey, you're getting him work as the free safety in case there is an injury and Sorensen needs to play free safety, but you know, he knows how to play box safety. He doesn't may, maybe need to practice it as much, but moving on to some running back topics. Uh, I, I think, this is important uh, right now. I think the running backs are all playing pretty well in the preseason. Well, the, the depth ones, at least. And so, yeah, with Clyde, Darrell Williams, and Jarek McKinnon all having injuries or injury history, does Kansas City carry four running backs on the 53-man roster? I personally do not have them carrying four running backs. I have them carrying three with Jarek, Darrell Williams, and Clyde. But I know I am not uh, – I am not – the I am alone or may not a good way to put it. But anyway, I, you disagree with me is basically what I was getting at. What do you think about the running back group? Yeah. So I think this is a group that obviously stands to benefit from the improved offensive line. I think they've all looked good in preseason. Frankly, you can, you know, nitpick around the edges, but to a man, every one of these running backs has had success in the preseason so far. And it's a position where you need to keep depth and they always do go through a lot of backs. So in my current projection, I still have four running backs in Edward Allaire, Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson, and Jarek McKinnon, all on the roster with Michael Burton as well. So technically, I'm, I'm actually counting five running backs, which does make it tight at other positions where I'll go lighter at positions like offensive line. I'm, I'm projecting nine where a lot of people say 10. Um, but I do think... Obviously, Clyde is a lock. He's been a very good player so far uh, for the Chiefs, and he's only going to get better. Uh, Daryl's a lock, um, and McKinnon's a lock as well. He's been playing lights out in this preseason, and they've been nothing but excited about how McKinnon has looked both on offense and on special teams, which is a little bit of a surprise, but a good one. So with all of those guys in play, I think the popular choice would be to let Darwin Thompson go. Uh, and, and roll with those other three. But I think they're giving Darwin a nice long look again, and he's making the most of it for the most part from a running position. He's He has performed admirably. He could hurdle a little bit less and maybe get a few less, maybe get one less penalty, but he's uh, he's definitely done enough to show that he belongs on the, on the field with these guys. And I, th- I think they keep him and I keep thinking they go deep on running backs. Man, Darwin just loves hurdling, doesn't he? He hurdles <laughs> any situation there ever has. I remember his rookie year in the, the playoffs, he actually hurdled too. And actually, that one wasn't as bad of a hurdle. It actually kind of made more sense. But he loves hurdling. 
anyway, <laughs> our guy, Chef Boy RDG on Twitter, he also asks a, a, a thinker, a, a, you know, and, and this is something that we all every week should probably kind of think about, you know, keep this stock. And you have market movers, so this is kind of goes with that. But the biggest surprise in a good way, you know, a good surprise in this preseason, let's each pick one. So I'm going to let you start. But the biggest surprise, but also the biggest letdown so far this year. And I'll let him get his take in. To me, the defense looks way better than I could have imagined. But Clyde hasn't been as stellar running the ball as I would have liked. That's what he says. Stags, what do you say to that? Well, first of all, I will not stand and listen on this podcast to any Clyde Edwards-Hilaire slander. You should know that by now. Now, I, I think Clyde is a guy that may not get the 50-yard runs. The, he's not Jamal Charles, right? He didn't, Nobody is, but Clyde is not the home run hitter. He is a guy that's going to hit those 5, 10, 15 yard runs all day long behind this offensive line and churn out first downs and score touchdowns. I think he's a player that is going to have a tremendous statistical season while not having as many highlight runs as as some fans might expect. So um, Clyde is more of a grinder. I think he's a player that is exactly as stellar as I'd want him to be, um, even if he's not breaking off the big long run. So no Clyde slander here. Uh, the defense is better than, than we had expected. But my biggest surprise on the good side, I'm finally coming around on Jody Fordson. I was holding out as long as I could. I felt like this was a, a you know, in baseball, you'd call him a, a quadruple A player, right? Somebody who is who's just a great practice squad player, a great preseason player, but just not ready for prime time. Part of my hang up with Fortin was that he was a one trick pony. He's a big guy who can run and jump and, and, and catch, you know, uh, make spectacular catches, but he hasn't, he hadn't to date showed out in all of the other ways. Now you see Dave Tom coming and saying that he is the one guy that has increased his value the most on special teams through the first preseason games. So now he's playing special teams at a high level. Now he's blocking at a really high level as compared to our expectations for him. So if Fordson can block and play special teams, I'm all in on Jody Fordson. Yeah, I know. He's looked really good, man. I don't know. It is, it is, it's something that you kind of like at tight end as a fan. You just kind of like to have a guy that can, that can move a little bit and, and be a, a good receiver. You know, it's boring to have the blocking tight ends. And so he's a guy that excites us. And another guy that's exciting for me. Um, and it's a very good surprise because I've always rooted for this guy. It was funny, actually, uh, one of my first years or the first year I really dove into the draft. I, I announced him as one of my guys going into the draft and Colin Saunders is, is kind of back from, from a, from a bad year last year in terms of just bad luck. I mean, he got injured the first week uh, was on injured reserve for most of the season and, or for the first half of the season, came back to the team, but then was then healthy and active for the rest of the year and through the playoffs. He, he played in week 17 as, as LeVon Kirkland uh, Jr., as, as we've said on this podcast before, but he has played really well this offseason, this preseason. He has showed off. He was actually, even before the preseason started, he was a guy I pointed out as, as a camp standout to me because I, I saw him a few times just make really nice plays as a, in run defense. And we already know he can he has some juice as a pass rusher as well, which we've seen in the preseason games. Man, I, I, it, it's just crazy to think that if, if Saunders is your fourth defensive tackle, if you're not including Chris Jones, 
he's your fourth defensive tackle. And if he plays as well as, as a third round pick should, you know, maybe in their third year, but also just as much as he's been in the preseason, I think if he continues this, this play, it, it's just, it, it, it's almost unfair for opposing offensive lines that guys like Turk Wharton and Colin Saunders are going to be completely fresh coming into the game, you know, behind Jaron Reed and Derek Noddy and Chris Jones and, and ruining offensive lines, you know, that are, that are already tired of dealing with those guys. And then all of a sudden they got to deal with the fresh legs and, and the, the energy that Saunders and Wharton bring. So Saunders is my good surprise. I'm really glad he's, he's coming around. Absolutely. I, again, I didn't predict him to make the roster before the preseason training camp had started. And now he's clearly on the roster, probably in the rotation. Good for him. Biggest letdown for me so far has been the aforementioned Cornell Powell. He's um, somebody that I, I have a lot of hope for still but hasn't gotten there yet, hasn't had his chance, and hasn't really forced his hand or forced the team's hand so far in giving him a shot. Um, who's your biggest letdown? You know, I was deciding between a couple guys, but I'm going to just go ahead and say Taco Charlton because I really thought he was going to be the, the defensive end opposite Frank Clark in pass rushing situations when they moved Jones in. I thought that was going to be our money defensive line, and I even tweeted it. Uh, you know, I, I really thought that was going to be the – the go-to pass rushing uh, lineup, but he just, that ankle injury and, and just everything else, I guess. And we've talked about it, but it just it must have not uh, come up through it with him. And, and, you know, that's, that's all good because it means there are other guys in this roster that the coaching staff has confidence in. Yeah. Definitely thought we wouldn't be sitting here talking about Taco Charlton having been released at this point in the game, but you're right. Hopefully that means that this team is developing young talent and those guys are ahead of schedule. Uh, but with that, let's go ahead and wrap up for this week. A lot more to talk about. We still have some questions we didn't get to. If we didn't get to your question this week, we're going to try to get to those next week. On the Auto Structure Podcast, make sure that you give us a rating and a review. Wherever it is that you do that, we really appreciate you all taking the time and listening with us, talking Chiefs. I think we could do this all day long, Ron. But for Ron Cobb Jr., I'm Matt Sagner. This is the Out of Structure Podcast. We'll talk to you next week.